0: Well, Happy New Year. Thank you. And Happy New Testament. <laughs> You're like, Why would I put Happy New Year and Happy New Testament together? Well, because if you've been hanging around with us for a little while, you know that as we step into the New Year, we're continuing our journey through the grand story of the Bible that began all the way last fall in a sermon series that we entitled Mark My Words, listening to the word of God and its whole big story. And as you've probably figured out, that series title that is our focus this year is on our journey through something called the narrative lectionary. And the focus in the narrative lectionary this year is on the gospel of Mark. That's where we get Mark My Words from. But we haven't talked a lot about Mark up to this point. That's because we've been spending most of our time working our way through the Old Testament. Now, sometimes people will think that like the Old Testament and the New Testament aren't connected, but they really are. It's one whole story that we carry ourselves through and that we find ourselves in as we listen. And so we've spent a lot of time in the Old Testament, and the beauty and power of the Old Testament is that it points us directly toward the New Testament. It points us into that new beginning and that new place And so it's clear that where we're going now is into the New Testament. And we're gonna be spending time now focused within the gospel according to Mark. And this connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament is beautifully framed in the very first verse of the Gospel of Mark. Let me read it to you. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It's a great way to start off New Testament, and a great way to dive into this part of the story, because it links those things together. The Old Testament is a journey of God's people who are seeking a Savior and a Messiah. They need someone to come and rescue them, just as we do and the whole story of the Old Testament is through the ups and downs, the ins and outs, the brokenness, the, the ecstatic moments, the, the, the hard prophetic words, the journey through, through all kinds of hardship that points towards the need for a Savior. And here we go. We come into the New Testament of the Gospel of Mark, and that first declaration is, listen, there's good news. It's good news about Jesus Because Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. The long-awaited rescuer and Savior from God, who he promised to send, has arrived, and his name is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Oh, I love that. Say it nice and loud this time. Say Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, I love that. A lot more energy and enthusiasm than those folks who were maybe a little bit tired at the nine o'clock service. I get it. It's all right. It's all right. But that's wonderful, I love hearing the name of Jesus. You know, somebody pointed out to us a, a couple of weeks ago, they said that they, what they really love, one of the reasons they really love being a part of this church is that they hear the name of Jesus spoken often and frequently from the pulpit and from the front by our leadership, and that's, that's great, I, I appreciate that. It's something that we do make a point of, obviously. But what I enjoy even more is hearing you say the name of Jesus. I love hearing you say the name of Jesus. Because it's not about putting God out there in some impersonal way off in the distance. When you say the name of Jesus, you're talking about the person of Jesus, the one who you are getting to know, the one who loves you, the one who has rescued you, the one who you continue to try and follow in all the best ways that you can. It's a beautiful, powerful word. And it's not a mantra. It's not something we chant to try and summon Jesus. No, it's speaking the name of Jesus like he is your friend. Like he's a part of your family. And that's good. It's really, really good. And it starts off that way right at the beginning of the book of Mark in the first chapter. And there's a lot that happens in the first chapter of Mark. Because immediately following that declaration, we start to hear about the story of John the Baptist. The one whom the prophet Isaiah said would go ahead of the Messiah and prepare the way. How? By calling God's people to repent And be forgiven of their sins while being dunked in the Jordan River. That's what John invites God's people to do. Come, repent, be forgiven, walk fresh into this water as a sign of what God is doing. And then Jesus arrives. He shows up on the scene. And he too is baptized, not for the forgiveness of sins, but to be fully identified with God's people. This one who has been declared the son of God in the first verse is now fully connecting with his humanity, fully connecting with creation, with you and me, saying this should be done to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus goes down into the water, and as he emerges, a voice speaks out, the voice of the Father with a dove descending, the Father and the Holy Spirit right there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a picture of the Trinity, and the voice of God says, this is my son my child in whom I am well pleased. And what does that pleasure do? It sends Jesus down to the wilderness. (laughs) Right there, he goes off into the wilderness to be tempted in every way by Satan. Why? Once again, to help us connect with who Jesus is. To realize that, that Jesus isn't apart from us. He isn't separate from the struggles and temptations and realities that we face. He went right into them as a human being, fully God, fully man, right there so that we can identify and understand who he is. Well, that's a quick summary to bring us to the two verses that I want to focus on today. Just two verses. We're going to look at just two verses today, starting in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Follow along. It'll be quick. <laughs> Here we go, verse 14. After John was put in prison... Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. We'll pause right there. After Jesus emerges from the wilderness, he immediately moves into a place of ministry. He shows up in Galilee, and he's there to preach. He's there to proclaim the good news. There it is again, good news in the first verse, good news again here in verse 14. Good news, there's good news that Jesus wants to share that's where he comes to, and that's what he is about to do. Jesus has arrived, and he's about to preach this first sermon in the Gospel of Mark. And here's the thing. I'm gonna read this whole sermon to you, okay? So get comfortable. Here it comes, the whole full sermon of Jesus. You ready? Here it is, verse 15. The time has come, he said, The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Amen, there it is. 17 words. 17 words. I wish I could preach a whole sermon in 17 words. I'm sure many of you are going, yeah, we wish you could too, Pastor. (laughs) 17 words. But 17 words filled with such meaning. It's a short sermon which kind of makes sense because it's in the shortest of the four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark is the shortest. And some people look at that and they're like, well, you know, I mean, it must be skipping a lot of stuff. It must not have a whole lot there. It must just be kind of a really brief summary that doesn't go very deep. Oh no, there is a lot in the gospel of Mark because in just a few words, Mark wants to relay the urgency of which Jesus arrives and has to share about this kingdom. Jesus has come, and the power of the Gospel of Mark is that Mark gets to the point. Mark doesn't mess around. We don't hear a birth narrative in Mark, we don't hear any of the story of Mary. It's none of it's there. It's boom. Jesus has come. Here's John to introduce him, and here we go. And off we are and running. There's a lot of life, and there's so much depth and meaning in these 17 words. It's because the the theme of Mark is that Jesus speaks and things change. He says it, and something happens immediately, urgently, right away. That's the kind of authority that Jesus carries. That's the kind of power that are in the words that Jesus has to share. So we're going to look at these 17 words, (laughs) Because the reality of these 17 words is that they are world-changing declarations. There are four earth-shattering declarations in just these 17 words. And they exploded into the streets of Galilee 2,000 years ago and are filled with so much meaning that no preacher, including me, could ever run out of things to say about them, so I better get started. (laughs) Let's start with the first four words that he has to say. The time has come. Boom, let's stop right there. The time has come. What is Jesus declaring here? Well, that word time that is used there is a particular word. It's the word kairos. Kairos. There are two different words in Greek that refer to time. Kairos and chronos. Chronos, if you hear that word chronos, you can kind of hear the word chronological. It's chronological time. It's like a time that ticks by on your watch. Tick-tock, 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 okay? There was yesterday, there's today. There was last year, there's this year. We watched the ball come down and we count it down and as we count down the seconds, boom, it lands and now we're starting a new year. Chronological time, it keeps churning along. It never stops, it's just one day after another, okay? That's chronological time, that's chronos time. Jesus here is declaring when he says the time has come, he's talking about kairos time. And kairos time is God's time. Kairos is the way God measures time. It's the way that God intervenes into human history. It's moments. It's the year of the Lord. It's the day of God. Those days aren't chronological days, they're moments when God breaks into history with a message, with a change, with a turn, with something impactful for you and for them who are listening. That's Chronos. Excuse me, that's Kairos time. Cairo's time, God's time. And it has come, meaning that it's fulfilled, okay? That's another way of saying that. In other translations it even says that. The time has been fulfilled. And it's not some small little arrival, okay? It's like, it's like fireworks on the 4th of July. Anybody who ever goes out to the fireworks show, you may sit out in the field and, and you watch as some people like light off their little fireworks you know, little ones that go up, zzz, bing, zzz, boom, zzz, pow. And you might be sitting there watching it, and you're thinking, oh, I wonder, is it, is it starting? Is it, oh, no, not really. Nope, that's just a little illegal firework from somebody who got it from Wisconsin. Um, so, you yeah, know, it's just are yeah, they're just, they, little, they go up and they pop a little bit here and there. But then all of a sudden, boom, boom, there's the big one. And you know, ah, now's the time. It started now. There's no mistaking it. You know when the big show begins. It's that kind of arrival. It's that kind of fulfillment that Jesus is talking about. The time is now. Boom. The time is now for what? Next phrase. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God has come near. What does this mean? Well, We don't think much about kings and kingdoms these days because that's just not the way that we think about governance. There aren't many kings or kingdoms that are around anymore. But everything was a king and a kingdom in the time of Jesus. And the thing about kings and kingdoms is that the kingdom was always defined by the king. Whatever king was showing up, that would make the difference in how life was going to be. You got a good king, a benevolent king, things were going to maybe be okay for you. You got a bad king, you got an evil king, it was gonna be a hard life. Things weren't looking good. And in the history of God's people, Israel, they had a lot of bad kings. And a few average, maybe okay kings. But none of them were perfect. None of them expressed the fullness of the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying God's kingdom, his kingship, his rule, and his reign is coming near. It's coming close to you. It's not far away anymore. It's right here. As a matter of fact, you can almost reach out and touch it. Another translation says that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's at hand. What do you think about when you think about your hand? Well, you know, it's right at the end of your arm, hopefully. Um, (laughs) and, And when you think about something that's just outside of your grasp or just within your grasp, it's like you can reach it. It's right there. You can reach out and touch it. That's what Jesus is trying to declare. This kingdom, because of this king, has come near to you. It's arrived and is arriving, and it's right within your grasp. It's right here now. It is close. It's God's rule and reign within those who will grasp it and let it grasp them. God's desire is to right every wrong and restore every broken system and broken person. That's what those who were hearing these words of Jesus would have understood. Because they had been living in a world not dissimilar to the world that you and I live in that look around and go, yeah, kingdoms come and kingdoms go, but man, things are rough. And boy, things just aren't the way that they ought to be. And Jesus is saying the time has come, the kingdom has come near. God's rule and reign, his desire, is right here. Powerful words. And so what does Jesus say next? Repent! Repent! Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word repent, the first thing that comes to mind is the guy walking around in downtown with the big sign that holds up that says, repent! The end is nigh! right? And you think about it as a word of judgment. You think about it as a a word of of condemnation upon you. Repent, you horrible person. You are terrible and you had better get things figured out. While there is an aspect of repentance that is certainly about dealing with those things in our lives, there's something much bigger that Jesus is talking about here. Because remember, this is good news. (laughs) This is good news. So, when Jesus is calling you to repent, he's not just saying, Hey, turn away, you rotten sinner, from your sin. He's saying, No, change your mind. Think of things differently. I want you to see things different than you've ever seen them before. I want to change your mind. I want your mind to be changed along with your heart. That's what Jesus is saying. The time is now. The king and his kingdom is coming near to you. So now, metanoia, let your mind be changed. Let your mind be transformed. Don't think along the lines of the way things used to be. Think about them the way that I declared them to be now. The king has arrived. Repent from that old way of seeing the world and believe the good news. They're linked right together. See, the way Jesus uses repent here is different than the way that John uses it just a few verses earlier. It says that when John the Baptist arrived, he was there and he was preaching about repentance from sin and forgiveness, asking God's people to repent of their sins and be forgiven by going into the water. That's good. It's good to repent and be forgiven. But John represented the law And John himself understood that the kind of repentance that he was asking for was limited because he didn't have the power himself to forgive sins. He could only point people to the law. Here's God's law. You've broken it. So now repent, turn away from that, be forgiven. But he recognized that something greater than that was coming, a different kind of repentance, a greater kind of repentance, And he declared to himself, he said, the one who's coming after me, I'm not fit to tie their sandals. I'm washing you with water. The one who is coming after you, he is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. John's baptism would be a a momentary baptism. Get washed up, get cleaned up, but tomorrow you're going to need it again. The day after that, you'll need it again. Jesus is saying, yes, there is that kind of repentance that is at hand, but there is even more than that because the repentance that he brings is one that comes through the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit meets you in the kingdom of God, things change. Things change inside of you. And there is power to actually be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. You can't do it yourself, but the Spirit can do it in you. This is a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of seeing life. Repent and believe the good news. Trust in this good news, which means trusting in the one who is delivering it to you, Jesus. And follow him. That is what he is speaking. Follow Jesus, and he will show you what this new life is all about He will show you where this good news intersects every part of your life. That was the message for them, and it is also the message for you today, my brothers and sisters. You may be here today feeling distant from God, feeling like maybe God is standing at arm's length away from you, out of your grasp. Maybe you feel like he's putting a distance between you and him because you've got an image of God as being the one who is angry with you, who is disappointed with you, who doesn't want to be around you. And the word that Jesus said then is the word that he is saying to you today. The kingdom has come near to you because Jesus is with you and he desires to be with you. And he desires to offer his forgiveness and his life to you. And he's not disappointed in you. He's not disillusioned with you because he never had any delusions about you to begin with. He draws close. He comes near. Face to face, right there with you. To say, I am here. I am king and I bring my kingdom to you. And I come near. Jesus comes near to you today, my brother or sister. And your life isn't over. And if you're feeling like your life isn't important enough, or your prayers aren't serious enough, or your situation isn't desperate enough for God to care, hear these words. The kingdom has come near to you because Jesus has come near to you and is with you. Now, maybe instead, maybe today you are being weighed down by some kind of sinful behavior, or you have been believing a lie, or maybe you feel trapped in a way of thinking about the world, or in a system that is unfair, unjust, or just plain evil. Well, there's a word for you today, too, and the word is repent. And it's not a bad word. It's a word filled with hope. Repent, let your mind be changed along with your heart. And that change is possible not just because you have the power to turn away from sin, but because you can now turn towards Jesus. See, if you let that repentance be only a repentance from your sin, believe me, you'll just turn away from that sin and you'll find another one call of repentance is turning away from that sin but then turning to Jesus the one who offers forgiveness the one who offers life, the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit and says "That's a whole new way of being human, it's the best way that he has purchased for you that's the beauty of repentance I had experience recently about what this repentance is like we have a group of pastors and leaders and an association that we are a part of called the ARC, the Alliance of Renewal Churches, and uh, this is a group of people who I've been friends with for many, many years, and they're people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and they're leaders and they're pastors, and, and some of them are Lutherans, others are not Lutherans, and they're all kinds of things, but, but we are united together as family because of the deep, deep love that we have for one another and the way that Jesus actually shows up in our midst. And so we had them all here. We get the privilege of hosting them once a year right here in our building. And and so we were here together with them that day, and and it was a beautiful, powerful day. But the word that was spoken from the leadership that day was that this time what, what God is speaking is repent. I thought, oh boy, what kind of day is this going to be about? Well, that became really, really clear for me based on something that happened that day and it starts with a brief story uh, about 20 years ago i was serving on a church staff and i had a colleague who i was working with and and this is somebody who i had been friends with for 10 years before that and i did something to this person that was very very hurtful and i did it on purpose and i felt justified in doing it and it broke that relationship And it felt like it destroyed it permanently. And we never spoke with each other again. And every once in a while as the years would go by, I would remember these moments, I would think about this, and I would feel uh, urgency in my heart to do something to bring reconciliation. But I didn't follow through. Sometimes I would have dreams or even nightmares about what it would be like to encounter this person again and what would that meeting be like. And I'd wake up the next day and I'd be like, I've got to do something. I've got to find a way to reach out and bring some reconciliation. And then I would get stuck and I'd be like, I just don't even know where to start. I just don't even know how. And the moment would pass and I would just move on but it would haunt me over and over again, and I never really got over it. So we're getting ready to walk into our space here together a week and a half ago for this great ark gathering, and there's a person walking right in front of me. And the person turned around, and there they were. And we were face to face. And she threw her arms open, and threw him around my neck and said, oh, Darren, my lifelong friend. And of course, I just fell apart. (laughs) And as we embraced, I just said, I am so sorry. And she said, Darren, I forgive you. I have forgiven you a thousand times. I will forgive you a thousand times. You are my friend. That was before I knew that it was going to be about repentance that day. (laughs) So we reconciled, and we talked, and we cried some more, and we swapped numbers on our phone, and tomorrow I'm getting together to have lunch with her, (laughs) and we're going to catch up on the last 20 years. That's God's work. That's God's work of repentance. I couldn't do it myself, but God broke in through his spirit, to make that opportunity right there in front of me. That's what forgiveness is like. That's what repentance and a change of mind and a change of heart can be like. And please, I'm not the hero of this story. Jesus is. Because he's the one who made that happen. Repent, let your mind be changed along with your heart maybe today you are struggling to believe that Jesus really is who he said he was. That he really is the son of God. That he really is the savior of humanity and the only way to eternal life. Jesus speaks aloud, repent and believe the good news. Because the good news is for you. And if you're here today thinking that way of like, you know what, I'm just not sure. Listen. There were those who walked with Jesus in the time that he was flesh and blood walking the earth, who saw his miracles, who witnessed them firsthand, who had to say back to Jesus, Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Those words are recorded in the pages of Scripture for you, my dear brother or sister. If you're struggling to believe today, join the group, join the family. God's help is there for you too. He will meet you even in your unbelief to draw you in to his family for you to hear the good news that is for you because of what he has done for you. So when can these things happen? When can we... Trust that the kingdom has come near. When can we repent? When can we believe the good news that it's for us? Today. Now. In this moment. Someone here needs to know that today is the day. Today is the day. You have been waiting and hoping that something would happen. And something would change. Well, today is the day. You don't have to wait and wonder if God is at work in your life. He says, today is the day. This is the moment. And don't just take my word for it. Take Jesus' word for it and take the Apostle Paul's word for it. He says in 2 Corinthians 6, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Those are the Apostle Paul's words. Take the words of Jesus. Take the words of the Apostle Paul. This is the day. This is the Kairos moment. For you, Wherever you are, God's time is today. And I want to pray for you and pray with you that you could believe that for yourself or for someone else today too. So let's pray into it right now, okay? Let's pray. Jesus, we have heard your word. We have heard your declaration of the good news The good news that is for us today, the good news that you have come near to us as our King and our Lord and our Savior, and you are not far off and away and distant, and that you offer us the opportunity to repent, to have our mind changed and transformed into a new way of living, a new way of seeing, a turning away from that which is death to us and turning to you to see life for us. This is the good news. And Jesus, I pray that anybody who is here today in this moment, who is hearing this afresh and anew, that your Holy Spirit is at work in their lives and their hearts, that they would say yes to you today, Lord. That they would just say yes. They would open their hands, open their arms for you to embrace them. For you to draw them close. And as they whisper into your ears, I am so sorry. Jesus, we know that we hear back from you. I forgive you. I have forgiven you a thousand times. My eternal friend. Jesus, extend that kind of forgiveness, offer that life eternal to all who will receive it today, and give them the courage, Lord, to share that with someone else, to share it with someone in this room. If they're not in this room, Lord, to share it with somebody in their home, to share it with somebody in their family or in this family at Community of Grace, Lord, that we can celebrate with them, that we can walk with them, that, that we can commiserate with them to say, yep, I know, I needed it again too. Thank you, Lord, that your mercies are fresh and new every morning. But let today be the day, Lord. Let today be the day of salvation. Let today be the day that your kingdom comes near, Let today be the day that we repent and turn away from our sin and turn to you, our Savior. Let today be the day that we receive your Holy Spirit to live a new life and see things in a new way. Thank you, Jesus, for all of this. We receive it today from you as a gift and we say back to you, thank you. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen and amen.